Aloha, tech and business aficionados. Chris Hobbs here, president of TTT Studios, where we make the software magic come to life. Welcome to episode eight of the Afternoon Tea Podcast, where we talk to entrepreneurs and leaders in the tech industry about their journeys towards success. Our guest today is Ray Walia, a past business in Vancouver 40 Under 40 winner. Ray has founded multiple companies and nonprofit organizations that have brought a huge impact on Canada's startup scene. This includes Launch Academy, which has incubated more than 3,500 entrepreneurs who have raised over $300 million collectively in funding. So let's chat with Ray. But first, if you like what you hear and there is no reason why you shouldn't, please don't forget to rate and review us. Heck, I think you should even subscribe. So now let's listen together. So, Ray, thank you so much for being on the show today. No problem. Thanks for having me. Hey, it's awesome. It's awesome to, 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 to see you through the screen, through the camera. Um, you know, I like it better when we're, we're side by side, but we'll deal with this for now. Uh, so for those who don't know Ray, and, you, and I'm sure most of you do, uh, Ray Walia is a serial entrepreneur with over 20 years of experience in both the entertainment and technology sectors. Ray founded Launch Ventures, which owns and operates a network of private incubators, innovation labs, and investment funds. The most prominent incubator in Launch Academy, Western Canada's leading entrepreneurship facility, which has incubated more than 3,500 entrepreneurs, of which 300 have grown their startups to seed and Series A stage and raised over 300 million in funding. Wow. Uh, Launch Academy is a designated provider of the Canadian Startup Visa Program which I think is super cool, and we'll talk about this. Uh, Ray has invested in over 30-plus startups, either personally or through his fund, and was named Entrepreneur Mentor of the Year for 2014 and 2015, and Business in Vancouver Top 40 Under 40, G20 Young Entrepreneur, and BC Tech Person of the Year Finalist 2018. Ray, thank you so much for being on the show today. No, it's my pleasure. Fantastic. So I, I just want to start with that. You know, it's funny, we were talking before and you kept referring to the old gangsters, the OG. And that's how I've always <laughs> felt about you because I've always been around your gravity, but we actually haven't really physically met besides maybe a high passing by until collision last year. Uh, no, two, no, probably two years ago now, right? Two years ago, it must be. Yeah. Which, which, which is kind of incredible. And I think how many times I've been in your office space, or I've been, you know, again around your universe. Um, yet we haven't really collided. Um, thank goodness for that restaurant in Toronto. Again, great, great tacos. Yeah. <laughs> but how I wanted to start was this: I was in a meeting with you at the at the Microsoft office, um, maybe two years ago. Yeah. Sorry. So that was two years ago. Collision was a year ago. That's what I thought. Yeah. 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 So at that meeting, there were a lot of, I, I'll call them, you know, big movers and shakers in Vancouver and the, the OGs, as you said. And the thing that blew me away was at one point, actually at the very beginning, it opened up and they started talking about how important your work is in the community in order for all of us to be better and to grow. And I just sat there going, damn, Ray's, Ray's an important guy. Like everyone is sharing a story about how important the work you do 
has brought um, value to the community. Okay, and this is maybe you're at the point launch academy you're having second thoughts or maybe 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 you can touch a little bit about that yeah so so one of the reasons why i guess everybody was was motivated to speak up and uh, probably themselves taken aback is because uh some people in the room knew and and that's one of the reasons that um that kickstarted that meeting or why people wanted to get together is i was on the verge of shutting launch academy down and and the vancouver ecosystem has gone through its ups and downs and especially two years ago uh, on the surface, things look good, but the people that were really in the know knew that uh, there were some serious fractures happening to the foundation of the ecosystem in Vancouver, and, and there was a lot of work that needed to be done. But uh, from my perspective, uh, as you stated in the earlier introduction, like I've got interest in a lot of different businesses, and Launch Academy was set up as a nonprofit in 2012, and eight years later, we got very, very little support from government and it was set up as a nonprofit because it was designed to um, take government dollars and put it into the hands of entrepreneurs and give them the resources to get off the ground and really um, uh, mitigate the financial expenses that they have at those early stages because they need experience, they need resources, they need mentorship, but they can't afford it at that time. And so Launch Academy is kind of set up to facilitate that. But without the government dollars to subsidize that, it was a broken model. And, and uh, I had other business interests and, and I sacrificed a lot of opportunities on, on those fronts. And uh, some people know about Alex Ventures, there was uh, Victory Square and there's um, Sports Tech. And, and uh, we did some stuff with other groups. And uh, I, I was reflecting at that time and thinking, look, those businesses could have been far more successful if I wasn't burdened down with uh, trying to keep Launch Academy alive. And so I was like, screw it. I'm going to shut down. No, the government's not supporting it. I don't really see much value in, in plugging away when all my other business interests were suffering. And and people got wind of that and they said, hey, no, no, let's, let's get the community together because uh, uh, I think, I won't say who those people were, but there's some serious uh, people in the ecosystem. Like, look, that, that kind of, they, they called me afterwards when I, this was January, 2017, I believe when I said that to these people and, and they called me afterwards um, and said, look, we need to get together and, and talk about this because as I've been reflecting on what you said, I see that there's a lot of other gaps in the ecosystem that are precursors to things kind of collapsing and, and it's going to be really detrimental to our businesses if that happens. Not just Lodge Academy going away, but the dominoes that will happen. And this also started with Wavefront shutting down and, and um, uh, the provincial government changing hands and to the NDP and then money being... Um, that was allocated towards some tech projects and other things uh, from a provincial level and a federal level being diverted into other aspects. And so there's like a whole series of issues that uh, were a precursor to that meeting. But to your point of why people were standing up and saying how important launch is and, and what we've done is because uh, I think at that point, I even I think at the beginning of the meeting, I said, uh, yeah, I'm actually thinking about shutting it down. And a lot of people were shocked to hear that. And I, I know I was. <laughs> yeah. We, so I have my media group, the Vidya, and you guys host the, the events all the time, you know, when, when mm -hmm. you know, we could be there. And it was always one of those guaranteed places of collisions. And, and I think that's what Vancouver was missing. And you brought was this place of collisions, this place where people can bang ideas with each other, you know, a place where it's, it's 
it's ours. It's Vancouver's, you know. Yeah. And, and so I, I thank you for that. Uh, yeah, and that's also again for me from the entertainment background. Like I was producing concerts for twenty thousand people, and my family's been in the Bollywood industry for thirty plus years. We're not no longer are, but uh, we were producing concerts for uh, in large stadiums, and so putting together events for tech were kind of no brainer and easy for me. Uh, they're not easy by no means, but it just <laughs> came to me a lot easier. I'm like we started with the big uh, party at the Roundhouse in 2012 for Grow Conference. It was Launch and Grow, uh, so that was kind of like the one of the first big fun tech events that would happen in the in, in the ecosystem. And then every year, Launch and, and now with our partners at Boast, uh, Boast AI, we are doing Traction Conference and doing different events and CEO summits and and so those type of events that bring people together. For me, it's 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 natural to do it, but uh, as you said, the ecosystem needs those, and um, uh, there's other people that are now stepping in and and helping to do things like that, which we want to see. It shouldn't all just be done by Launch Academy because that's a sign that we have a weak ecosystem. When other people are stepping up and doing events and activities, uh, a lot of people come to me earlier and say, "Oh, you got competition." I'm like, "Screw that! The more that happens, the better, and the less I have to do, the better." So, <laughs> bring it on. <laughs> Well, that's that's great. Well, you know what? Let's let's talk about you know the serial entrepreneur side first. Then, um, so, and I do want to give a shout out to sorry, I do want to give a shout out to Alana uh, on our team. She's uh, kind of the, the workhorse that gets a lot of these stuff done for the um, events, especially Traction Conference. Uh, so, uh, I'd be remiss to not acknowledge her and the work that she does. And then Lloyd and uh, Alex Popa from Boast are a huge part of it as well. For sure, for sure. No, well, that's, I mean, that's the thing that I've always been impressed with you is you've always been aligned with really good people. I mean, I know Alana as well, and and also the other guys, well, that's who we had tacos with in, in Toronto. Yeah. <laughs> and they're, they're you know, you, you've managed to align people that really do care about the community, you know, so it, it's businesses, but it's also community, and you can just feel that it does matter. Like, I could talk to Alana, I like honestly feel that, and I feel like they'll respond right away and, and with something that does bring value to everyone. And yeah, and this also goes back to the ethos of, of Launch Academy. Like our motto is get shit done. And it's not just a superficial thing just to get people's attention. It's like, no, that's what we do. Like we want to put our heads down and get shit done and, and make things happen. And so we naturally attract other people that have that mindset. And when you talk about Startup Visa, one of the reasons why we've been successful with that is part of that culture that we have. And then those other international companies want to be a part of that. And they want to work with people that have that mindset. And so oh, talking about Boast and, and uh, I work with Edo at Microsoft and, and other people like there are people that really want to see the needle get moved and, and things happen. And so uh, really um, kind of true to that ethos of just, just make things happen and, and good things will happen. Right. Well, for sure. For sure. Well, let's talk again about the serial entrepreneur side first. OK, so what do you see as the major challenges right now in Vancouver for a startup? and COVID unaccepted or thrown out, but what are the big challenges? Yeah. Uh, let's let's kind of break that down into stage of startup. So somebody with an idea, one of the biggest challenges uh, outside of COVID, so COVID non-existent, what was the biggest challenge I think in, in Vancouver is, is the lack of opportunity to get in to uh, networks with other people. So again, Launch Academy was moving away from that business model because we, I, I couldn't personally finance it anymore. Like I literally, I won't say how much, but I put sunk a lot of money in my own personal dollars into Launch Academy as a nonprofit uh, with very little return. 
And so I couldn't do that anymore. And there was no government dollars. So what we we're shifting away from was those free events, those stuff that's targeting those those early stage ideation entrepreneurs because um, there was no capital or revenue coming from them to keep the lights on. And, and sponsors aren't jumping up and down to, to promote those type of events either. And so with these ideation stage entrepreneurs, the, the biggest challenge was getting around like-minded people, getting access to mentors, getting access to resources that can get their idea to either a point where they can move it forward or more importantly, a point where they can kill the idea and realize that, okay, this is not a good idea. We create a lot of online education, online resources, and we're really pushing those forward um, now, but uh, the in-person stuff is, is really critical. And, and that's missing on that front. Now, when you get into companies that are a bit bigger and, and they've got product market fit, the biggest challenge I think there is getting out of the Vancouver bubble. Uh, a lot of people are even the Canadian bubble. Like if you really want to build a successful business, you have to think global. And, and um, a lot of people in Vancouver, like especially the mentors and, and some of the other people that are helping these companies they themselves don't have that international experience either and so you need to really start trying to build a mindset around your company that uh, we want to be global we want to do things uh, at an international level and we have to think that way and operate our business that way um, and so that's kind of a, a mind shift especially for those entrepreneurs that don't have that experience and sure. you can't learn it in a textbook you have to experience it <laughs> that, that's for sure and, and have guidance with those who have gone through the path already which is really important yeah. too um okay well launch academy has helped so many entrepreneurs okay how often are you hands-on with any of those ideas um that's that's kind of a tough question like so i have calls with entrepreneurs all the time i'm talking to people on Slack, I'm talking to people on Zoom, I have coffee meetings, like even with COVID right now, I still probably have meetings two or three times a week. And it's not because, hey, I'm, I'm, a, I'm an extrovert and I want to get out there. Like, it's kind of a, I'm a, <laughs> somebody reminded me of something I said before is I'm an introvert with the, a job that has extroverted requirements. And, and so <laughs> I, I have to get out there and have to talk to these people because that's what they need. And, and that's the support that they, they um, look for from me. And uh, uh, so am I there to help them mold and shape their ideas? Probably not. But am I there to help guide them and, and, and make introductions to people that can? That's more my, my forte. And like uh, one of the other terms, especially on the Valley, is called the super uh, connector. So there's people that are connectors that connect people and, and, and make introductions. A super connector is someone that uh, has a broader knowledge and an understanding of who's who in the ecosystem and where those resources lie and, and how to tap into those. Um, and so that's kind of the role I see myself uh, acting in more with our broad set of entrepreneurs than um, anything else is just helping make introductions and connect people with those resources to grow them, uh, help them grow. Um, now, that being said, we as Launch Academy, 3,500 entrepreneurs, a lot of those were uh, people through online education and, and a lot of the companies that failed, but those entrepreneurs moved on to do new things or realized that entrepreneurship is not their bag. Uh, my interactions with them are, are somewhat limited. It's just the sheer volume game. Like I don't have that many hours in a day, but uh, there are other entrepreneurs that if they indicate to me that they're really putting the work in and, and moving the needle, then those are people that I naturally gravitate towards and uh, end up spending more time with as well. 
Very good. Well, very good. Well, let's let's touch a bit um, with Launch Academy. Okay, so you brought a lot of big names into Launch Academy. You know, Microsoft. Uh, well, Lighthouse Labs, which is kind of I guess across across well, breeder there. Lighthouse Labs was actually one of our companies. So they incubated at Launch Academy. They started as four guys that just wanted to change and disrupt education. And uh, they had four deaths. And then we gave them, I think we gave them 10 deaths. And they started with their co first cohort, the back of Launch Academy. And then over four years, they grew to take up over uh, almost half of our space. And um, uh, there was definitely some, some rough moments where there's different cultures between students and entrepreneurs and what was happening in our space. But it's one of the reasons why we grow so dynamically is like those entrepreneurs that were growing were able to just go right next door and find talent to help them build. Uh, and then now Lighthouse has graduated out of our space and they got their own 12,000 square foot facility in, in downtown Vancouver and they've got uh, Toronto and Montreal and Calgary. And so they're one of our big success stories. I love hearing about that. Actually, when before we got our office here at the, uh, the, well, the KPMG building, let's just call it, um, we were actually going to share they asked us to move in with this really cool space we were actually going to share it which i thought was kind of neat um but uh, anyhow that's that's a totally different yeah. story but uh, what was the mindset for bringing these partners um, and how do you approach it so like like a microsoft how do you how do you bring them all together uh so microsoft had their microsoft for startups program and um uh we can't remember how we connected but uh, tommy Tommy Lee, Tom Lee, Thomas Lee, he's a Microsoft evangelist and he's now moved to Seattle, but he was like, he's an amazing guy. And they came to us with the mindset of, okay, we know that we're building this incubator. And I obviously looked at business models around the world and other incubators and they have, like the whole strategy for Launch Academy, maybe I'll go back and I'll give you the this spiel about Launch Academy. So we started in 2012. And it was really myself, Roger Patterson, who's now the CEO of Later.com, yeah. um, Alex Wang, and uh, Jesse Heaslip, Mike Edwards. We started in 2012 in um, uh, April, and we could be the abridged version because I don't want to take this too long, but 12 deaths, and uh, we sourced out companies. Battlefy was the first company, Thinkific was the second company, um, James Clift and uh, Karma Hire were the third company, and some other now OGs in the ecosystem were the ones that started started, but within two weeks we sold those desks. So we went to IKEA with that money that we sold the first twelve desks and bought twelve more desks. This was all just a side project with all of us because Roger had his own startup, Alex was doing his, I was doing mine, Mike was running Grow Lab. And this was all just a side project just to get a, a workspace together, and uh, things kind of snowballed from there. And and uh, uh, fast forward twelve months later, we had twelve thousand square feet filled up. And that model was based off of Mike Edwards and I started LX Ventures, which is an investment fund. And we knew that you had all these different parts of the ecosystem. So you had the nonprofit incubator, which was the wide mouth of the funnel to bring in entrepreneurs, get them out of mom and dad's basement, get them into an environment where they can build and, and, and learn and, and leverage all the other pieces in the, in the ecosystem. Then you had Grow Lab, which is going to take the five or 10 that were really excelling and bring them into the accelerator model, give them some funding and accelerate their growth. And then you had Alex Ventures, which could invest in uh, the follow-on rounds and whatnot. So it became this little funnel, but we knew that we, need, we couldn't just cannibalize ourselves. We, if you really wanted to be a, a 
institution in the ecosystem and, and a foundation in the ecosystem, you have to include others. And so we looked at other partners and uh, Garibaldi Capital had an office there, BDC had an office there. Um, Microsoft came along and we knew Microsoft had all these other resources. And this is when Microsoft, especially in 2012, uh, developers were shunning Microsoft. Like Microsoft's not cool. They want to work with AWS and Azure and all these other things. Oh, sorry, uh, uh, Google. But uh, Microsoft making some changes, and, and now you look at Microsoft. Microsoft's cool again, and they've got some really great tools and resources. But what was great about Tommy and and uh, uh, Andrew Howell, who was uh, the other partner that came in that worked out of our office. They came into the office and they worked out of the space uh, two or three times a week. They were there to meet with entrepreneurs. They were never pushing Microsoft on people. They were there to really just help entrepreneurs get through tech challenges. And I saw uh, Tommy um, helping somebody uh, build something in, um, uh, in Android. And I'm like, what are you guys doing here at Microsoft? But his goal was like, no, I just want them to build cool stuff because if there are more successful entrepreneurs in the ecosystem, it's better for everybody. And, and yes, I'm Microsoft and I love Microsoft, but uh, uh, if we are the right solution for them, then it will happen. If we're not, it's okay. And, and that attitude is what kept us wanting to go back to Microsoft and keep building this relationship with them and keep going. And, and like, all credit goes to Tommy and Andrew. Like, they were the reason why um, Microsoft partnership with LaunchCamp was so successful. Well, that's, that's fantastic. And I, and I agree because I'm like, uh, you know, Van Hacks, uh, my, or maybe yep. my hackathon uh, yep. that we're doing. Um, Microsoft's our partner and they're doing the same thing. It's all about, hey, just whatever you guys want. We, we just want to do this for the, you know, the community. And it really yeah. is like no pressure. And I think a lot of people don't really realize how, how great the Microsoft team in Vancouver is. And, and um, yeah, and so like they do a lot of things under the radar. Um, like I, I sit on the Cascadia Tech Council, um, Edo's on that as well and, and other um, tech leaders. And, and there's things that uh, Microsoft does in the ecosystem that uh, like their name's not on it because they know like if it's got Microsoft branding all over it, people look at it a different way. But if they can just facilitate things and make things happen, it's better for the ecosystem. And uh, um, from a global perspective, like I travel around the world, people don't recognize Vancouver as a tech city. And that's one of the things that we have to address. Uh, but you've got some major companies here. Microsoft's ma massive presence. Amazon's going to have a massive presence oh, yeah. already. Apple's going to got a big office being built. Uh, Samsung, Sony, uh, you name it. Like, we've got massive companies here and uh, people don't realize it. And, and Microsoft, again, may not be in your face, but they're a big reason why things are happening. And now you look at um, Salesforce. Salesforce had a big office here and now it's getting even bigger because they just acquired uh, Mobify. Mobify, right. Yeah. I'm actually looking forward to it. I'm going to have Igor on the show soon too. <laughs> yeah, Igor, again, one of the OGs. Like he's one of the guys that I saw um, just put it, put, pulling Mobify together and, and building some retail apps and trying to get retailers to think about the web and mobile apps and uh, yeah, look at them now, right? Oh yeah, no. He and John, and they, they did a great job. Yeah, John was awesome too. Oh yeah. So I was I was watching some videos this morning where you were well, you've been traveling the world, I guess, before this COVID, and you're talking a lot about the Maple Visa, which I think is amazing, and I think it's such a good, strong, positive thing for Canada. And in fact, one of the um, one of the uh, the dads, I guess, from my son's spring league hockey team, they're Russian, lived in San Francisco. And they came up here on that Maple Visa, and I could—he couldn't say enough positive things about coming to Vancouver. 
which, which I think is fantastic. Now, I have a question about the Maple Visa because you're very tied to it. Was that your idea? So it's the startup visa. So Maple is our program. Uh, so startup visa actually started at Launch Academy. And, and the back backstory on that was, so Leonard Brody, Mike Edwards, Boris Wirtz, uh, they ha- started an incubator called, or an accelerator called Boot Up Labs. This is in 2010, 2011. And uh, one of the companies, they were making investment in what's called Summify. And Summify was based out of San Francisco. And the team of Summify was having immigration issues in the U.S. And so they came to Vancouver and uh, they were trying to get their visas and stuff sorted out here. In the meantime, Summify ended up getting acquired by Twitter. And uh, um, if uh, their visas and stuff had been sorted on in Vancouver, Twitter would have had an office here in Vancouver. And that would have been like a big story for us, a Vancouver acquisition and, and you got an office here. But those visa issues didn't get clarified. And so they ended up moving back to San Francisco. Hmm. And so Boris and Mike and, and Leonard and Debbie Landa, uh, Moira Robertson, like they're all looking at uh, Danny Robinson, Moira Robinson. They're looking at um, how can we get this talent to stay here and and if it's really good companies and if they're validated why can't we fast track them through the immigration program such as like other entrepreneurship immigration paths and so they were the real catalyst to making this happen and it was actually in my office at launch academy i saw moira and Nanny pitching this to the government um uh on on, on my uh, on one of the screens and uh uh for years it was a pilot program and then 2017 it became a permanent program but it never hit um, critical mass. It never got the volume that everyone was expecting it to have. And it wasn't that the visa wasn't good. It was it, by far, it's probably one of the best startup entrepreneurship visas in the world. And I've heard this firsthand from entrepreneurs. I know I can tell you why, but uh, the reason in my opinion, it didn't hit the critical mass that I was expecting it to is because the, the way the visa was structured is that a angel investor, or sorry, a venture capitalist firm that's approved by the Canadian government, uh, as long as they make a two hundred thousand dollar investment in the company, they can uh, recommend this company, support them through the startup visa process, or an angel investor that's invest seventy thousand dollars, or an accelerator that makes an investment to the company. The problem with that is, and it's great that they're validating this for on behalf of the Canadian government. They're doing the due diligence, and so the Canadian government doesn't have to worry about the business. All they have to really focus on is is the entrepreneur eligible for immigration based off immigration criteria and if so you can fast track them through the process the problem was whether it's a vc or an angel even an accelerator i'm sorry let's take the vc and angel the vc and angel their business models are not set up to go scout the world for international companies that want to come to canada and uh, use the startup visa as as the catalyst to make that what they'll do is they'll find a company and if it just happens to be a sweetener in the pot that gets in the deal or or some strategic reason yes they'll support them but all they're really doing at that point is just give them the letter and letting the entrepreneur deal with it and it's just not their business model so even if they did it you get like one two a year even if you set up an angel syndicate or angel fund to do that specifically at seventy thousand dollars you do 10 of those years that's seven hundred thousand dollars and that's angel money that's people's own money and so trying to get that together you're never gonna get the volume and when it came to the accelerators uh and it's just a hard fact there are really very limited top quality accelerators in canada there was grow lab those extreme startups they're now highline highlines moved away from that business model uh there's founder fuel there's um uh, uh tech stars in toronto 
who else, right? And and a Communitech, not so much an accelerator, but the, like so the type of people that were willing to do that, and, and even at that, their business models, five to ten companies once a year, twice a year, and of those, how many are international companies? And so that model is kind of broken, and that's where I looked at. Okay, how can we create a program to specifically look at bringing the best of the best around the world and bringing them into Canada? And so 2017, we introduced the program. I also saw what was happening south of the border with immigration policies and sentiments around international entrepreneurs. And we see where that's kind of ballooned to today. For sure. And so what we really came to it from a perspective of let's just scout the best of the best and help them expand and grow their business into North America and use Canada as their landing pad with the understanding that Canada's not their end goal for family and, and lifestyle and everything else, yes, but their business needs to exist in North America. And so we want to connect them to the U.S. and find ways for them to scale and grow their business. And Traction Conference and all the other things that we have built play into that. But the other side of it is it's not just about startup visa. What we are is a business incubation, business immigration program. We help these companies come to Canada and understand what might be the best path for them Startup Visa is handed down one of the best in the world because it's up to five founders, their spouses, plus their children, all get work visas, student visas, can all get um, uh, express entry or fast track into uh, permanent residency. Mm -hmm. But also, if you do have five founders and after two years, one of them decides, hey, there's this great job at Triple T Studios, that's my dream job, and and I want to leave our AI startup to go work with them, they're free to do so. And so they're not tied to the success of startup. And if the startup as a whole fails, their PRs are not in jeopardy. And so there's all these other aspects to it that make it the best in the world. But from an entrepreneur's perspective, we look at their company and say, okay, Startup Visa might actually not be the best solution for you. You've got certain qualifications. You and your co-founder should probably go for express entry and you can get your permanent residency within six months. Or there's other companies that we're working with where uh, their founders aren't interested in moving, but they want to set up operations in Canada because they want talent or access to universities. So, well, why don't you look at the Global Talent Stream program and you can get your CTO to come to Canada under an intercompany transfer for six months and set up operations, but you can also use that Global Talent Stream to bring in your other engineering staff on um, express work visas in two weeks. You can get them set up and there's all these other programs that Canada has that can help you. And so our Maple programs kind of evolved into this whole other uh, beast that is just about how do we just bring the best of the best from the world into Canada, get them set up so that they can be um, Canadian companies and build great businesses uh, using all the different advantages that Canada's put together for its entrepreneurs. Sure. And I, th- and I think it's wonderful. I mean, the people that are coming as entrepreneurs they are the movers and shakers anyhow. They're going to try to make an if, you know, a difference. Yeah. And the fact that they can have their families here and support them, um, I, I, think it's, I think it's awesome. I mean, the one thing that I love, I love, because I mean, I'm sure everyone you work with, same thing. Everyone, well, not everyone, huge portions of our community are new PRs or new Canadians. And yeah. we love to celebrate how excited they are when they become you know, a PR or a Canadian. Yeah. And that is a big celebration. And the fact that you're it's, bringing so many in for that, I think that must be exciting. Yeah. We're, I think we're with 70 plus companies right now. And, um, and one of our companies just raised a $35 million series a, uh, like we've got some really great companies that are coming through like top companies out of Nigeria. Um, like Nigeria's got immigration issues with the U S but these are great Y Combinator graduates, uh, that weren't able to 
facilitate or finalize their operations in the U.S. Um, to, because of immigration issues, and so they're coming to Canada, setting up, and they're now able to do business in the U.S. like they wanted to, and so it's awesome there. The two things that really caught us uh, by surprise: one was uh, the entrepreneurs are very highly experienced, and so their startup um, may not be extremely successful but guess what they are business professionals they've got a history behind them and there's other things that they're bringing to the table than just their startup and so a lot of these entrepreneurs are coming into our ecosystem and becoming mentors right away like if you want to build a business that uh, um, has distribute or you're building a business triple t studios and you've got an opportunity to tackle clients in um, uh, in, in the ukraine well you don't have a experience in there or you don't have a network out there but these entrepreneurs are coming in and guess what they have experience building businesses in the ukraine and in 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 egypt and brazil and whatnot and so they're um benefiting the ecosystem as as a whole in vancouver but the other thing that really caught us off guard was their spouses and so we focus on the entrepreneurs but guess what a lot of these successful entrepreneurs have successful spouses as well and the spouses are coming here and making an impact uh like one of our uh ctos of um cybersecurity company that we're helping or that we helped they're all done his wife was a clinical psychologist in hong kong and uh first thing she did when she came here like well, okay i, I want to get involved in the community she went and volunteered in downtown east side at a clinic and then she ended up getting a job there and then now she runs a clinic right so like she just catapulted right to the top and and she's making a positive impact and, and there's other entrepreneurs where uh it's a really tight group of founders and their spouses are tight uh, are really um uh, uh close-knit and the spouses wanted to create a french style bakery together right and so it's like hey we got this one company guess what they just started a or they're planning to start a bakery in Canada. now covid probably sidetracked that for now but uh i'm pretty sure that they're still entrepreneurial minded uh spouses that want to get that off the ground oh that's that's awesome uh, so when you get to traction conference because I, I do love traction conference i mean you always bring the best people into town how did you solve like okay how long has traction conference been going for now uh it started originally in 2014 with boast they did um uh cloud factory or maybe that was 2013 i'm losing track here um, Cloud Factory in Alberta, and then uh, we were partnering on um, our Cascadia conference, and we decided to merge the two together to create Traction Conference. And the first year, I, again, I should know this, it's either 2014 or 2015, uh, we did one in Vancouver. And just a few months later, because the, the speakers from San Francisco loved it so much, and said, you should do this in San Francisco, we turned around and did a conference in San Francisco uh, four months later. So I think we did ours in May, and then in uh, July or August, we did uh, the one in San Francisco. And that's, that's just that was an amazing task to uh, uh, see happen. But every year, the I guess the we... We anticipate that we're gonna have a hard time find, finding speakers. And so Lloyd Lobo is amazing. He's got a great network in San Francisco. He does the outreach and we collaborate. Okay, we get a hit list of all these speakers. So we're gonna reach out to a hundred. And he reaches out thinking, okay, we'll get like 20 or 30 and we got a good roster. And uh, we end up getting 50 or 60. And we look at each other like, oh man, how the hell are we gonna pull this off? Like we, we always intend to do a one day conference. And as you, as somebody that's gone, it probably realizes that 
we always kind of have this jam-packed extra day that shows up and we don't market it and it's because we've got too many speakers and we don't know what to do and we don't want to tell them no because they're amazing speakers but we always reach out thinking that we're going to get a lot of no's but we never get any no's the only no's that we get is because it's a conflict or like we used to do it in may or june and the conflict was cons in france so a lot of our speakers like i want to go to traction but there's cons and i'm going to go to france and yeah and then uh and so we moved it to august again we're, we're getting like no no's and it's because three things uh especially at the beginning when we started we're, we're the catalyst for why these speakers and these are ceos of billion dollar companies so one of the policies is uh what we said i was like your valuation has to be a billion dollars or more to be on our stage or you're uh, on a fast trajectory towards there or you're a v, top vc firm or there's something special about you that uh, people want to learn from and the reason we really started traction was because we want like we know as entrepreneurs, you need to be in the Bay Area, you need to be in the Valley to really understand what's going on there to absorb it, but it's not feasible for a lot of people. So how can we bring the Valley to Vancouver? How can we bring this knowledge and experience to Vancouver and help the entrepreneurs here elevate and get themselves um, uh, out of that bubble mindset that I talked about earlier? And, and traction was that, that catalyst. So when we looked at who our hit list is, like, okay, we want these speakers because they're not just big name brands, they actually move the needle. They understand what it is to build a business and it's all traction like you can raise as much venture capital as you want at the end of the day if you don't have traction if you don't have customers uh if you don't have revenues your company is shit and so traction is all about how do you acquire customers how do you retain those customers and more importantly how do you monetize them and so when we talk about that to these speakers it resonates with them because that's what got their business to where it is and they know that that's the most important thing and so they're happy to come and talk to that. And then when they see the other speakers that are coming in, they're even more excited because they want to learn from that person or they want to learn from these growth experts. And, and it becomes a subject matter that they're really into. But the third reason, especially in the early days where uh, some of these CEOs were coming up because they were scouting Vancouver. Other people were coming up to Vancouver to set up operations and get uh, a dev team up here. And some were doing it under the, under the radar as their first international office, their first uh, uh, dev team outside of the Bay Area. And so other people are scouting that. And that, I feel, is a big catalyst for why uh, a lot of these bigger Bay Area names I've started looking at Vancouver, especially in the early days, was because traction. Um, like Retsley was a company that was out of, Gro out of Grow Lab and Launch Academy. They ended up getting acquired by Zillow. And, and uh, Zillow was up and down Vancouver uh, because of traction and, and opportunities like that. And you look at uh, Zenefits, um, uh, the CEO's benefits was to speak here at our conference and heard about the Launch Academy here in Vancouver and things like that. And so we, we aren't going to dive deep into the impact traction had, but uh, we know that it, it had a lot of influence, especially in the Bay Area. And, and we, to this day, the CEOs and then speakers in the Bay Area talk about v Vancouver and traction as one of their top favorite events. Like we were ranked number one. Uh, one of the top 10 marketing tech conferences, but when you actually talk to the CEOs and the other growth experts in the Bay Area, they always say Traction is one of their favorites because of the subject matter. And one of the other reputations that we have is our audience is always full. We cap the speakers to 15, 20 minutes. And so when you have a CEO of a billion dollar company, you tell them you only get 15 minutes on stage, there's like, oh, and I'm used to having an hour. I was like, yeah, we're only giving you 15 minutes because we don't want you to talk about that fluff and, and pump yourself up. We want you to just get to a hard, impactful uh, topic or dialogue that's going to resonate with the audience, something that they can turn around and implement in their business the next day. Now, they may not be billion-dollar companies sitting in the audience, but 
you know what got you here. And so we want you to share that information. And so in our audience, people don't leave their seats because each talk is only 15, 20 minutes. And so when you typically go to a conference, the hallways are full of people. In our conferences, hallways are empty during the talks. And, and they will not leave their seats because there's FOMO. They don't want to miss the next talk or there's so much information. Um, well, that's for sure. I mean, there's, yeah, it's also yeah. a like, very eclectic group of speakers. Like it's all like they're all focused, but it's all over the place. Of, but people I wouldn't expect to hear that I love. Like I remember oh, the, 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 she was a young lady founder, of, I think originally from Germany, from I think it was Shippo. And she gave that's a presentation. Laura, I thought, Lauren, yeah, 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 yeah. Blew me away. Such a young individual that had such a, well, a great opportunity she created. Yeah. And Shippo is just amazing. They're, they're killing it right now. Like Shippo is doing really, really well. And uh, it, it's, it's just, again, it's the entrepreneurial mindset. Like these people are all over the world. And uh, uh, at the end of the day, what really is driving their business to success is traction. And, and now we're doing these, like we've had to cancel traction this year, but we're doing our webinars on a weekly basis. We did think about, okay, let's just do a virtual traction conference. But Lloyd and I discussed it and uh, with Elena is that, okay, we could bust our asses to try this two-day virtual conference, but we know doing Zoom calls on a regular basis, like you lose somebody after one or two hours. And so who's going to sit through an entire day? Why don't we just do a weekly webinar and, and use the same number, type of speakers and just spread them over a, a, a year? And so we reached out to some of the speakers. We're like, yeah, love it. Happy to do it. And so uh, we're now doing these webinars and our attendance rate is anywhere from 500 to 1,000 people each time. And that's amazing every week. And so it's been wildly successful and we don't charge anything for this as well. So, oh, and that's the other thing for traction. A lot of people don't realize attraction is actually a fundraiser for launch Academy. So launch Academy, a nonprofit runs traction. So all the revenue and everything goes right back into the ecosystem and we don't pay for our speakers. You go to a lot of these other conferences, they pay speakers 20 grand, 50 grand to come and speak. We don't pay our speakers. We don't pay for their hotels. We don't pay for the airfare. They all come on their own accord. And so that's also a testament to their interest to the subject matter, but also to uh, contribute to Vancouver and the ecosystem and, and everything that's happening here. Like they want to come here. They fly up on their own dime. Sometimes they'll bring the family and make a weekend out of it. But uh, uh, it, it really is impressive how um, it's come together and, and the way that they're receiving Vancouver and the ecosystem here. Well, yeah, and, and you went, you're doing it the right time of the year in August. And I love how you have it yeah. up on uh, yeah. the mountain where, you know, the, 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 the first night you have it up on yeah. Rouse and everyone gets to see. I mean, I think that's a great way to say, hey, this is a great place to, to come live and do business. You know, yeah. so you're, you're, you're causing that light. Well, I have one very important, we'll call this the last question, okay? This is a very important question. You owned a Dairy Queen franchise, correct? <laughs> yeah, I own two Dairy Queen franchises uh, over 10 years, yeah. I, I, and I love that. What's the best Blizzard flavor? Um, so sticking with the OG theme, you can't go wrong with an Oreo Blizzard. Like that, that is probably the best default. Um, the, other, the other one that's really good, in my opinion, was the uh, Strawberry Cheesecake. Uh, it's definitely... If you really want the bang for your buck, if you're looking at getting the most value, the strawberry cheesecake, it's dense, it's thick, it's got real strawberries in it, it's great. Real cheesecake pieces. Um, yeah. What's, 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 your, what's your favorite? What, which one do you gravitate to? I like the Hawaiian, which is kind of off the menu, yeah. but it melts yeah. quick. That's the problem, you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, well, Ray, hey, thank you so much. You know, not only for being on here, but also just for you know, reinforcing what you do with the community for the community and how it becomes such a stronger community through all the actions you've done. 
And uh, so thank you so much. Oh, thank you. And uh, again, Triple T Studio has been one of those anchors in the community as well. So uh, big props to you and the team there and everything you guys are doing. We're just having fun doing it. Yeah, no. <laughs>